welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. My name is Dave, and I'm happy to be a sexaholic. Welcome welcome to this meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. Uh, I'm facilitating this session, and I'm joined by Ken. Ken J. Okay, he'll tell you more about himself in a moment. Uh, Each of us will share our recovery on this topic. Then we'll take time to answer questions. Questions will be taken from the Ask It Basket. If you wish to participate, write your question on a 3x5 card, just one side, please, and place it in the basket on the table. In the spirit of the fifth tradition, to carry the message, this is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. We ask that you please silence all cell phones. Let us open with the serenity prayer. Prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the reason to know the difference. Not mine be done. Okay. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem, help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership or self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect denomination, politics, organization, or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. All right, our first share... Hello, my name is Ken. I am a sexaholic. By the grace of God, in these 12 steps of Sexaholics Anonymous, a loving fellowship, a a great sponsor in the fellowship of Sexaholics Anonymous, I've been sexually sober since December of 07. We're going to talk about lust that is not, which is not just about sex. So what is lust? And our big book gives us a lot of useful information. Um, Excuse me, our white book. On page 40, it talks about uh, why we're focusing on lust. Uh, The real problem is that these addictions, sex and food, is to be what we call lust, an attitude demanding that a natural instinct serve an unnatural desire. And we've talked a lot about sexual desire and unnatural acts within the use of the use of sex and, and, and lust in that category. But the big uh, the white book goes on to say on page forty one, the, the addiction is thus to lust and not merely to the substance or the physical act. Lust, the attitude itself, becomes the controlling factor in the addiction. This may be why people exhibit lust in more than one area. Often those of us addicted to substances or forms of behavior discover that we are also addicted to negative attitudes and emotions. I remember that when I came off of lust, alcohol, and tranquilizers, a resentment burst forth like a, a, a damned up volcano. I remember thinking that controlling lust must be like trying to control a piece of jello. You press it here and it bulges out there. Or like trying to route a, a gopher 
you plug up one tunnel, only have the bees go to the work on another. People may not be allergic to food and sex in the sense that some people are allergic to pollen, strawberries, or cats. But we do become allergic to lust for, for food and sex. Misusing the natural instinct of sex for any unnatural end other than uh, unnatural end over and over again increasingly sensitizes us to the triggers of that association until simple thought or look elicits the compulsion. For the sexaholic, lust is toxic. This is why in recovery the real problem is spiritual and not merely physical. This is why a change of attitude is so critical. So what about, uh, you know, this situation? I have exhibited many examples of lust over the course of my life. And in, in my recovery, I came to recognize them uh, when I did not realize that I had such things. And there's been several examples I would like to share with you. <clears throat> I'm a, I have a, a truck and I own some property in North Georgia and there's some uh, rough terrain that goes up to that and I, my truck is not is two-wheel drive not four-wheel drive so it sometimes is a challenge to go up that that hill that I have to go up each time and so turns out that I had uh, my tires had gotten somewhat worn not they worn out but they were worn so I could have bought $300 worth of new tires and solved the problem alternatively I could buy a new F250 diesel crew cab pickup truck for about $80,000. I mean, and, and, the, and, it's, and it seemed like a pretty decent trade-off one or the other, you know, you know. And so, because there was nothing wrong with my truck other than it needed $300 worth of tires. And that was, you know, a, a, a situation that required some consideration. And that's what it reminds me, you know, of many other aspects of my disease. It's the obsession it's the repeated going back to that problem, you know, over and over again that is the issue. I mean, you know, a, a, a regular person, not one of me, would look at that example and say, well, this is a no-brainer, Ken. Go buy $300 worth of tires. But I had to think about this, and this I had to play with this over and over for some period of time. And luckily I did realize that there was an economic reason that I should just buy the tires. Um, I also have discovered that I do woodworking. I'm, uh, as I like to say, I assemble furniture from the wood that God's created and use it and present it. And I collect wood to use for those purposes. And I have approximately enough wood right now to last me, if I work very hard, to last me another 150 years. And so... I'm sure that's not too much, so I, you know, I occasionally need to buy a little bit more because, you know, I might need that. I, you know, I, I've lusted after better jobs. I've lusted after money. You know, we, you know, we talk about the lust for money in, in many different forms. Um, you know, I've lusted after many different things, and it goes on and on, and I'm always looking for more, more, more. I'm also a, a what I call a, a collectaholic or a... a, a I, I, I just, there just has to be more. It doesn't matter what it is. If I, if one's good, two's better, and three's even better than that. And so I'll have two copies of a book I need, right, or, or that I want, not need, want. I'll have multiple pieces of equipment just in case, you know, I never know. And I'll have stuff, I'll buy it, and like, I'll discover it a couple years later, and I go, I wonder when I bought that, and I wonder what I was going to use it for, you know. And, but I can't get rid of it because I might need it. And so that kind of thinking uh, is, has been a part of my, my disease. I've gone through phases where I've been able to recognize that more clearly. And, you know, clearly, uh, you know, the, the, the lust around the sexual uh, triggers and uh, other people and things is, is there and present all the time. But the, 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 the creepy one, this, you know, the uh, the Sneaky one is the ones that's around other what seems to be benign benign things, and so for me, some of the th- ways that I deal with this is first I have to recognize that something's going on, and that's actually now uh, pretty simple for me. If I think about it more than about three times and I don't act, then I'm probably starting to obsess, and that applies to to most anything. 
If I'm continually going back to it and trying to justify it, well, it must be, I really do need the, that truck. It really is important to have that truck. Um, then that, that tells me I, I have a problem and I need to deal with that. Surrender is so much a part of my recovery in all aspects, and that comes in the form of many forms, but the, the basis of it all is really the serenity prayer. You know, God, you know, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the things that I can change, and the wisdom to know the difference. I can't control uh, the obsessiveness, but I can surrender it and go move on and realize that this is really not, this is not what I'm doing. I ask myself, you know, uh, in, in my age and my place in life, I've actually crested. I am no longer collecting. I'm unloading. And so <laughs> I'm selling things. I'm giving things away. I'm uh, just, you know, people come over the house and they say, that's a really attractive uh, object that you, that you put together. And I say, you like it? And you go, yeah, you can take it. Please leave. You know, and so I just can't, you know, I have got to uh, give away. This, and it's just, uh, and actually it serves a good purpose because a lot of love and energy went into the things that I've created, or I didn't create anything. God created it. I assembled it. And in, in that process of assembling that, it does take energy. It does take creativity. And when I give it to someone else and it brings pleasure, that to me extends that love that I put into that object. And I, I am, I'm glad that I'm able to do that. I ask myself, do I need this? Do I really need it? Do I, and, and a lot of times I don't even, I'm not even clear why I want it. But that's a, a part of that whole surrender process. And then I ask myself, well, what's, what's wrong with me? What's missing in me? Because what all this is is just like my acting out. I'm trying to fill up a hole inside myself with objects, with things that I've accumulated, uh, whatever they might be. And that, that thirst, that lust, that striving for those things, I, I feel like that will make me feel better. And one of the things that talked in here was about resentment. <clears throat> and, boy, am I good at that. I mean, I, I lusted after resentments. Resentments were almost as much fun as, as uh, sexual fantasies for me. I kept logs. I had a log of the resentments against my wife. Every time I thought she did something wrong, I wrote it down. I put down the date. And I put down the, you know, this and here's the resentment. I deserve to be mad at her. And it's, it's like, it's like a drug. It really is for me. So I, I, and I would lust after that and it would make me feel better because I could say she did me wrong. You know, she did harm uh, to me by not doing whatever I expected her to do or wanted her to do. So, um, Looking at what's missing in me, and then at the end of the day, it's always about acceptance for me. And so, what do I need? What do I think I want, which I don't need anything anymore? I'm long past that point in my life. And so, surrendering that and accepting the fact that I'm trying to this is a this is a part of my addictive behavior, and I'm just trying to get a hit. I'm like looking for a hit, and that's all there is to it. So it's just interesting how it pops up in so many different things. Then part of it, of course, is comparing myself to others. You know, I want to be better. I want to be better than you. And in my, in my addiction, I, I, never was, I was never satisfied with what I was or who I am, what I am. And I wanted to be better than you or else I pretended to be or I told myself I was worse than you because I wanted sympathy and empathy. So, you know, using that as a way, again, to, to, to lust after prestige, to lust after recognition, to be, you know, accolades, hey, praise him, he does really great things. I remember talking to a friend of mine in the program, and we were doing something. We were doing some service work, and, and, he, and he made some positive comment. He says, you know, such and such, you did a good job. And I says, don't do that. I says, you can't do that to me, please. You cannot feed my ego. It eats well enough as it is, you know. So, you know, if I screw up, let me know. The rest of the time, can go do some more, you know. And so that's that's my attitude. I have to be always looking for more service, always be looking for ways to help other people. And that's, you know, that's the way I have to, to work on it. So wait a second, I lost something here. It's very important. <clears throat> so what? That's a, that's one of the attitudes that the Alanons use. It's just a saying they have. So, so what? So, so what if I don't buy a new truck. 
You know, so what if I don't get any more lumber? You know, so what if I don't get a raise? So what? I mean, I have more than enough food. I tell people, you know, if life were fair, I'd live under a bridge, I'd eat out of a dumpster, and I'd be alone. You know, and I got more than all of that. I have a house, uh, you know, lots of food, and I'm not alone. I have lots of friends. I have a family and children. So I don't need anything else. <clears throat> I have more than I deserve. So um, what happens if I don't buy this object? What happens if I don't obtain this? Will I, what will I lose? I ask myself. So if I don't buy this object, if I don't get this uh, item, what will I lose? What will I miss? Right? And does it add anything, does it really add anything of value or importance to me? So that's sort of the way I look at the, you know, the different aspects of it. And, and there's almost no limit to what you can lust after, you know. And, you know, whether it's a fine painting, whether it's, you know, all kinds of, and it can be objects, it can be accolades, it can be, you know, an experience. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was the other thing. I was going to take my wife on a, on a, uh, a special vacation, uh, sort of a second honeymoon, and I had to have a perfect vacation. You know, I had to be, you know, so I was lusting after this vacation. We were going to go to Paris, and I had enough points on airlines, and we had to go on first class because it has to be first class because it has to be special. It has to be super. It has to be special. So, of course, being a perfectionist to go along with all of these characteristics, uh, I never could get the perfect flight on the perfect day to head for the perfect location. And so the consequence is I kind of lock up and I don't do anything. But, you know, it's not, you know, I, so I'm looking for the perfect experience. I, you know, we need to do this. You know, how can we get, I'm like a, um, I read about people who are uh, adventure junkies. You know, they want to go on, you know, they talk about people who go and, and camp out on Antarctica. Like, All right, really, that sounds like a lot of fun. Sleep on an eight-foot piece of ice, you know, that's got to be fun. So, but anyway, for me, realizing the situation I have to deal with, realizing the core problem, which is, again, I'm just, I've just substituted what I'm using to fill that hole in me in terms of uh, not using God, but instead trying to use other things or places or people uh, to accomplish that has, has been the core of my uh, addiction and use of other objects beyond sex. And with that, I will pass it over to David. I can't sit down and talk. I also can't do electronics. I'm Dave T. I'm happy to be a sexaholic. I've been sober since November 23rd, 1990. What a miracle. Wow. I I have to do the top plate first and get rid of my top plate. And my top plate right now is, you know, they're having a convention in Georgia, in Atlanta, coming up in a year. And I'm, of course, I'm auditioning to speak at that convention. So if I do a good job right now, see... That's my top plate. I can lust after anything. Now, when I came into the program, all I needed to do was stop masturbating. Because I had already stopped acting out with other people because about a month before, I had a disgusting time with an old man. and I was never going to do that again, so all I had to do was stop masturbating. <laughs> and then I found out, well, I've got a little problem with lust. Lust, not just masturbating, but, you know, anger, resentment. We never got angry in my family. We just got quiet. We didn't, you know, you didn't resent, you just got the better of somebody. You didn't get even. You got the better of them. Uh, I found out 
all of that stuff. And it's a good thing I didn't know that at my first few meetings. It was kind of laid on me later, little by little by little. And then I get to the fourth step, and I find more, and the sixth step, more. Wow. Jess L., my hero, Jess L. said, lust is me wanting anything that God doesn't have in front of me right now. Lust is me wanting anything that God doesn't have in front of me right now. He doesn't have in front of me an $80,000 truck. He doesn't... Anything. That's why I don't have a television. Lust. Not body parts. Commercials. Oh, they have, you know, there, there was one about water splashing down over fruits and vegetables and everything. And, oh, wow, come to this restaurant and, oh, I want to go there. I want that. I want that. Oh, and then they have this car. <laughs> the new, you know, I want that. I don't need a car. I've got one that works. I've got food in my refrigerator. And, you know, this, this beautiful house. Oh, I want that. Ikea. You know, I want the drawers that when you just go like this, they go boop. Ooh, I want that. My drawers shut. Uh, so it's me wanting anything. Wanting. Or the new car. How can somebody afford a car like that? I mean, they must be, you know, they, they're, they're either a plumber or a politician. I don't know how they can afford a big car like that. You know, I'm in resentment. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, they want me to go to that vacation place. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to add on this, and they're going to add on this, and they're going to add on this. And <sighs> How stupid do they think I am? Or the commercial's going to... They just had that commercial ten, ten minutes ago. I mean, why do they have it again and again and again? I get into anger, I get into resentment, I get into jealousy, I get into all kinds of these feelings that are lost. I don't need that. So I don't need commercials. Turn the TV off. The rest of it is fantasy. I don't need fantasy either. I need reality. Do the laundry, do the dishes, or sit on the front porch and sit. You do know that when we say the serenity prayer, did you realize that what you're saying is, God, make me bored? (laughs) See... We have confused intimacy. Oh, I want intimacy. I need intimacy. I want intimacy. We don't know what the heck heck intimacy is. We want intensity. Yes! Yes! Oh, this is going to be the big one. Oh, wow, I'm going to... (coughs) Oh, Yeah, I have apoplectic fits trying to get intensity when really what I'm looking for is intimacy. I'm sick. I'm crazy. I'm broken. I don't have legs and I'm not going to get new ones. But I can sure get around on crutches or a wheelchair. I don't need legs. 
intimacy, quiet, peaceful. Serenity, quiet, peaceful. Don't you ever get angry? I I think I do. But for me, angry is like this, you know, and it goes away. I don't have to carry it around. So, lust, if I'm out there looking and I'm not happy with what I have right here in front of me, I must be lusting. I must be wanting something. If then, if then, that's the worst thing in the world. If this happens, then I'll be okay. Uh huh. There is no then. There is no there. There's here. That's all I have today is here. Not, yeah, but, not if, then, but when I have now, here. If I don't want to be here, I guess the only other place is, as as a friend of mine said this morning when I said, it's nice to see you. And he said, it's better to be seen than to be viewed. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. <laughs> I want to be here. I want to be seen. Now, not lusted after. Well, maybe a little bit, you know. <laughs> But I want to be just real, just me, enjoying this moment. I don't need to be any place else. And if I don't have enough right now, why do I think more is going to make me happy? It's not. I have enough right now. Oh. Wait a minute. Except for computer skills. I have enough. Oh, by the way, come up and get a paper and write a, um, a question on it so that when I'm done talking, we'll uh, ask your questions and try and answer them. Okay? Where was I? If, if I'm not content with what I have with who I am, with where I am. I don't know if I'll ever be happy. You know, the uh, vision for you, a vision for you says more will be disclosed as you trudge the road of happy destiny. When we come into the program... We got this problem. (laughs) Honey, you got lots of problems. (laughs) You got lots of issues, not just this problem. You see, when we get newcomers, when I run a newcomer meeting, if they don't know about the 12 steps, I say, you know, there are 12 steps. And we follow those 12 steps of AA. The step one is, I'm powerless over lust. My life has become unmanageable. Step two says, there is a power greater than me. No, yeah, that can return me to sanity, however it goes. And step three says, I'm going to do it. It doesn't say I'm powerless over sex. I'm powerless over lust. And I stop there. Newcomers don't need to know about steps 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. There's plenty of time for that. 
They only need to know about steps one, two, and three. Stop this acting out. Let my wife let me back in the house. That's all I need. More will be revealed as you trudge that road of happy destiny. Yes, I am allergic to lust. Not to sex, to lust. Actually, Roy said, we have a physical addiction. You see, I am allergic, well, either allergic or I have a reaction to adrenaline. You know, when I start to, oh, I'm going to, when I get off work, I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to do, I found out when I go to the dentist, I was having a panic attack because my Novocaine had epinephrine in it, artificial adrenaline. The dentist now gives me Novocaine without epinephrine, and I don't have a panic attack because I am susceptible to adrenaline. (sighs) This is going to be the big one. I mean, this is going to be it. I enjoy being bored and quiet. Thank you. Well, I don't think I broke it. Okay. You want to read the first question? That's okay. I don't have an answer to the first question. (laughs) Would you like to read the first question? It says, what separates the stated forms of lust Craving a new job, violation from uh, validation from others' resemblances, uh, from other characteristics, as greed, vanity, wrath, envy. I don't know as anything separates it. I can get an adrenaline rush out of resentment. Boy, can I get an. Uh, out of greed, out of pointing out, oh, vanity. I wanted to be lusted after. Is that vanity? Uh-huh. <sighs> Thank you. Next question. When you plan a woodworking project, how do you dream and envision the furniture without going into fantasy slash lust? Well, <clears throat> there's a, there is a difference. Uh, you know, Envisioning something. There's, there is nothing wrong with using my mind for creative purposes, to envision things, to think of things. And in, in, in a woodworking project, it's, it's a complicated collection of parts, and you put them together in a particular way. And if you don't have instructions, which I usually don't, you have to envision how that happens and the techniques you use to put it together. That's different than lust. Lust is the, which, you know, that's a natural process. Lust says it's an unnatural use of a natural instinct. And the other thing is that when I think about the project, envision it, I don't obsess about it. I analyze it, and it's like a puzzle. I solve the puzzle. The puzzle's done. I build a project. I'm finished. Lust is, the, is again, a lot like the obsessiveness of, of, uh, of, our, of other forms of our addiction. Did you want anything to that? I mean, that was that one. Do you want to add anything okay. to it? I have an app on my phone that's from uh, Daily Reflections from AA. And the one on New Year's Eve said, it's fine to make some plans. It's, it's important to have plans but don't, don't, don't take your emotions with them. If I can meet, leave my emotions in today and just make plans.
how important is it for you to know exactly what a drink or lust is for you? I, I can't lust after anything. I have to, uh, because it's, it's, it has many problems for me. One is it, it gets me drunk. You know, if I can, you know, if I do it, that I will become intoxicated with that, and it will, as mentioned before, it, will, it, it triggers the allergy and it causes problems for me. And it's, for me, it usually for me is recognizable by the re- repeated visiting. I need to go back. I need to look at that again. I need, I need, I need this concept of I need. Um, so it's it's extremely important that I recognize that. That first, once I look at something, I know I need to do something about it, and I may need to make some plans, and they execute the plans, or I use a serenity prayer and say, "Done with it." You know, I either I either can do something about it or I can't, and I have to, and that's what I say: I either do something or I'm done with it. And the serenity prayer helps me understand that. What can I do? You know, I can't do anything about certain things, and I let have to let those go. Um, we were trying to help my <clears throat> my niece with a problem with a, a financial situation she had, and we were dealing with a company that was less qualified in the way of integrity and honesty. And but I couldn't do anything about that specifically. So, but we did investigate: was there government agencies that allowed us to perhaps, you know, provide some kind of thing? Once we exhausted that, we then dismissed it. That's all I can do. And the serenity prayer tells me that. So at that point, I'm done. But I, in the past, what I would have been, well, that's not good enough. I'll find, I'll go to the governor. You know, you know, I'll call my congressman or whatever. So I, letting it go, do what I can, let it go. And that's the difference between the constant repetitive going back to it, which is a lusting symptom for me. How important is it to know exactly what a drink of lust is? How important is it to know what a drink of poison is? <laughs> what is a good way to surrender lust? I'll let you answer that first. Gratitude. 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 Sounds like a plan to me. We, we need some, we some more, more questions. questions. <laughs> Please. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Don't waste recovering sex addicts. So I'm just trying to, I guess, understand the concept. So I'm trying to, in the, I'm in the process, I started a new business a number of years ago, and I'm trying to build a business. So where is the line that I cross in doing that between, I guess, the normal... So the question is, for the audience on the tape, is, is the person is building a new business, and where is it that he crosses the line between the process of thinking about the various parts of the uh, the steps, of the process of building the business and becoming lustful, correct? I think it's the same as what I've said before, is that, you know, it's logical that you would analyze the process of, of the building. You know, how do I, what do I, what is my business, what's my business model, going through those various steps. I think that if you keep revisiting something that doesn't seem to happen or doesn't seem to get solved or doesn't get seen resolved or doesn't result in action, then you're being obsessive. And you're and you're lusting because the, you're going back, you're being obsessive because you're not getting what you need out of it. So you're lusting after something. You're lusting after some kind of emotional hit, some kind of adrenaline rush, as was talked about, to, to, uh, that will come from being successful with your business and achieving whatever it is you're trying to achieve. We have a question from somebody who can't write today. The question is, uh, talk about lusting after food, food addiction. And also, well, and also if, if I do indulge, can I work two programs at once? I can only talk about lusting after lust. I mean, you know, food is a different issue, and uh, alcohol or whatever. I found that my alcohol problem, I had to go to AA and get an AA sponsor. 
for me, um, I was a one addict person, but I wanted it to be perfect. And so I worked at perfection in getting a sexual addiction just 100%. So I went to great extents. I have many friends who have or called double winners or triple winners. And the programs are the same, but they're different. And, and what I tell people is that the big book has the answers. The Alcoholics Anonymous big book has all the answers. The white book describes the symptoms and the particular characteristics of my disease. And I believe that's probably true of other uh, addictions as well, and I can't speak to them either. Hi, I'm Chaim. I'm a sexaholic. Um, you're talking a lot about, you know, lusting and not lusting, and we shouldn't lust no matter after all objects, places, or things. If I was able to stop then I wouldn't be an addict. My problem is my brain sees something, I see something, and I just want it. And by saying don't or you shouldn't or it's not good for you, it doesn't help me to stop it. So I understand that I shouldn't want that fancy car or when I see that food that I can't get, I'm not supposed to want it, but I want it. And I can't stop that wanting it. And I can't stop that desiring for it. Can you expand more on the actual practical tools to use that I need that regular people maybe don't? Repeat the question. Uh, How do I stop? uh, What are some practical things for stopping lust? Uh, he talked about there are things that, you know, I shouldn't do, I can't do. I don't know if there are any things that I can't do. And in recovery, I have found out I have choices. I have choices that I could resent that person, but it's going to make me have acid reflux. I could lust after that car and I could waste a lot of energy. So for me, should, shouldn't and can't, I try very hard not to have in my vocabulary. I can do. I choose not to. I choose not to look twice. I choose not to have a TV. I could have a TV. I choose not to. I choose not to turn it on in the hotel room. Now, when, you know, on the, on the surrender, how do we surrender it? And I made a smart act, you know. Um, I laugh at it. If I get, uh, you know, a so-called trigger or something, and (laughs) you're going to have to send a better one than that to get me to lose what I've got. And, And I laugh. Or I'm not polite to my disease because my disease was not polite to me. I tell it to go to hell. Shut up. Get out. I open the window. If I'm driving, I pull off to the side, I open the door and say, get the hell out. Because I'm not polite. Because this is life and death. Laughing at the disease really is important. And Sylvia said something else. I was in sobriety, oh, four or five years, and she said, Would you stop fearing your disease? Trust your recovery. Respect your disease, but trust your recovery. You see, I'm I'm trying to hold my disease in and I can't do it alone. But if I've got a higher power that works and a program, the three of us can do it. Three against one. I think we're stronger than the disease. I can trust that we're going to work. But I have to respect the fact that the disease is out there saying, Oh, 
I'll just, I won't tell them there's no heaven. I won't tell them there's no hell. I'll just say, there's no hurry. Uh-huh. Oh, well, I don't need to keep doing this. I can, I can miss a meeting and there's no hurry. And blip. <laughs> Trust your recovery. It's working. I remember when I was in the program and in the beginning and right around 18 months, other people were having birthdays around 18 months uh, and they would relapse. And I'd become convinced that it was like iron has to go through fire to become steel. You have to relapse to in order to really recover. You have to know the pain. Well, I, and then I came to a convention here and I heard... David and Sylvia and Harvey say relapse is not a requirement. They each had in excess of 30 years of sobriety from the first day they walked in. I then began to realize that if I did my job, I did this work, I did this step work, and I trusted in God, as you just said, if I do the calls, I do the meetings, I do, I'm honest with myself. I trust that I'm not going to relapse. God's not going to allow me to relapse, but I have to do my part of that deal. So, you know, uh, it's, it's, we, we have to own the problem and own the solution and trust in God. And I do. I trust in God. You know, and I, I, I know there's lots of times that I could be in trouble, but I say, I trust God. I, I believe that he, he, will tra- he will take care of me if I do my And I believe that if you say, I can't get more than 12 months of sobriety, you're right. You just made a prophecy. And you're right. It's a self-fulfilling profi- prophecy. If you say, I can't get any more than 12 months, you won't. Next question, how do I handle using sex or actions of acting out to reduce isolation and loneliness as a way of making me feel alive, knowing that shame will follow afterwards? Again, I come back to the reason I use these things for me is that I'm not, it is when I'm not connected to God. If it, we talked about being bored, you know, if God is in my life, I've, I, I'm uh, high energy, uh, probably ADHD, but that's another issue. And I'm a go, I'm a human doing, not a human being. And, and I have to keep moving. But once I got in the program, I've learned to sit and not do anything, not think about anything, not read anything, not making any list, not, you know, Think of listening to music. I can just be. I can just be because I'm content in my skin. I'm content that God made me the way I am, and He was deliberate in the way He made me. And I don't know why I have what I have or why I did what I did, but I know for me it feels like God needed me to come to Him, and the only way to get my attention was to give me this disease, which forced him, me to join forces with God. But I don't need these things to feel good anymore. I don't need this action or to, to fill that God-missing hole. It, serenity, the true serenity of being at peace with who you are, no matter what you are. You are a creature of God. You are what you're supposed to be right now. Your struggle may be necessary for you to learn something. I don't know those things. That's not my job. My job is to suit up, show up, and do what I'm told to do. And God does that for me if I just pay attention. Those acting out things worked for a long time. It's just that they stopped working, but we kept doing them thinking they would work again. I believe AA has uh, three A's, awareness, acceptance, and action. Awareness, I've got a problem. And they told me it's sexaholics. I'm a sexaholic. I'm going to go to Sexaholics Anonymous meetings. Or I've got a problem and the court told me to go to SA. Or my wife told me to go to SA. We're jumping from awareness to action and we're forgetting acceptance. 
only until I accept 100% that I am a sexaholic. And doing that one more time is not going to change until I accept I am a sexaholic. I don't have legs. I have a disease. It's not going to change. I'm never going to drink like a gentleman. Nothing's going to happen. More questions? Must have some more. You guys are not all solved. Yes, go ahead. Uh, how do I know the balance between my obligations and the and the, the outcomes of letting go? In terms of anything, uh, either my obligations to feed my family, obligations to do, to raise my kids a certain way, and the powerlessness I have over the outcome, and uh, where's the balance of okay, I did enough of my obligation, I have to let go, or like. God sent me another opportunity, that's an opportunity, or, or me trying to control. Right. The question was, how do I know the balance between knowing when I've satisfied my obligations, if I've done enough, versus being obsessed and lusting after more? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a good question, and I, I think it gets back to, you know, God gave us a brain. We're not robots. We have to we have to make decisions, and we have to be honest with ourselves. And that's a that's a great example where you know did I make did I make enough money to provide enough for my family? Well, does my family need a, a, a twelve room house with you know eight thousand square foot on a four, five acre lot in you know in Belmead? You know I don't know. Uh, versus, does it need a whatever a house of, of lesser means? I remember uh, a friend of mine. I, I spent, a, I, in spite of my addiction, I spent a lot of time with my children uh, when they grew up. And a friend of mine was a podiatrist uh, who was very much uh, worshipped the god of, of money. Uh, once said to me, "So I, I envy you the time you spend with your children." And I said, "Herb, no one's got a gun to your head. You know, you can choose to spend the time." And again, we talked about choices. I chose to spend time. I chose to make a compromise. You know, is is the money, is the education you're seeking for your children what you want or what they need? And is the housing what you're seeking to add to? Is it what you want to be prestigious, to be recognized in the community, to be looked at as someone successful, or is it what your family needs? I can't answer that. That's the questions I would ask myself. We We have one being written, and that's probably going to be our last one. This this is a, a saying to combat lust. Gratitude makes way. We have enough. What we have. Uh, oh, gratitude! Gratitude makes what we have enough. Yes. Thank you. That is good. Um, Thank you very much. Okay. Um, Anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Let's close with the third step prayer. suffering from the disease and the consequences of it as it impacts our families and friends. Third step prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to fill with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power
to this episode of the Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. 
please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.